just want to welcome everyone today, whether you're joining us in person or you're watching online. Also want to take a moment, as I do every single week, and say a big hello to all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry. And we just want you guys to know that you're not a project to us, that we consider you a part of our church. So come on, Defiance, and we welcome our church family today. Love it. That's awesome. Well, obviously, on that opening video, we got to see uh, just uh, some of the things that God has done this past year. And I want to give us some more good news today. As many of you know, in uh, the month of November, we do our annual At the Movies series where we watch uh, popular movie clips and we pull out biblical principles from them. And this year, we saw record Sunday attendance during the month of November. And just to kind of put that into uh, perspective, in the month month of October, we were averaging around 1,100 or 1,200 people every single Sunday, which, by the way, is incredible in a community of only 16,000 people. I do want to point that out as well. But in the month of November, in fact, the last five weeks, we saw an average of 1,500 people coming to experience church. And so want to welcome the 300-plus people that are joining us. We hope you feel right at home, that you're amongst friends. But also, I wanted to just take a moment and say thank you to you guys for inviting your friends, your family members, and those who uh, are far from God. Because in the past five weeks, we have seen 45 people make a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives. Just five weeks, 45 people whose lives will never be the same. And that's really what it's all about. And then last week, uh, many of them got water baptized as we baptized 17 people last Sunday in an incredible time of uh, worship and baptism. There was something special. I mean, baptisms are special in and of themselves, but last week I felt like everybody who who got in the baptism tank was weeping and just overwhelmed with uh, emotion. You just saw God uh, doing what only he can do in our hearts and in our lives. In fact, we've baptized 120 people the past 11 months, which is truly incredible. And, uh, And so I'm just celebrating all that God is, is doing in this place. And some might ask, now, why do you guys celebrate numbers like you do? And, and I would say, well, the Bible talks a lot about numbers. How many of us know? And uh, 120 gathered in the upper room to receive the precious promise of the Holy Spirit. In, in the book of Acts, 3,000 people got saved on the very first sermon that was ever preached. Like there's an entire book of the Bible that's called Numbers, right? The Bible talks a lot about numbers, but the real reason is because every number has has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God and should matter to each and every one of us and so just blown away by what God is doing but before we jump into the message today I, I want to first kind of give us a snapshot uh, of the season that we're coming into as a church there's a lot of exciting things happening here uh, at experience and, and one of my jobs as the pastor is not just to preach a message on Sundays but also so to, to guide you as a shepherd along different hillsides throughout the year for us to grace upon, for us to eat so we have a balanced diet and that we're all growing and maturing. And so, of course, December is just such a beautiful time of the year. And so next week, we'll be having our carols and communion service on uh, Sunday, December 17th. And this is quickly becoming an experienced tradition. So if you like Christmas carols, 
Man, next Sunday is Yo Sunday. And uh, we're going to have obviously an incredible message. And then we're going to just take a moment and remember uh, who made it all possible and take communion together and remember the price that was paid so that we could be forgiven and we could be set free and we could have a life we never thought possible. All that leading into the the next week, um, which is Experience Christmas on December 23rd and 24th. Uh, Like you heard, we we have six identical services uh, on Saturday, four and six. And then Sunday, uh, we actually were going to have five services, but because of the few hundred more people that started showing up, you made us a little nervous that uh, we're not going to have room for everybody. So we added a sixth service. And so uh, Sunday, uh, December 24th at 11 a.m. is the service we added, then two, four and six as well. Six identical services. Our worship team has been working really hard. And obviously we'll have a, a message uh, celebrating the Christmas story. And then we'll end as we do every single year uh, with a candlelight portion of the service. So great time to come bring, bring your family and your friends and celebrate the birth of our King. And then that's going to lead us into January in our 21 days of prayer and fasting on January 8th through the 28th. And This is why I truly believe we are seeing this incredible move of God uh, around here. And that is because we seek God. It's because we realize apart from him, we can do nothing. And this is something we do every single year. 21 days of prayer and fasting is something that we uh, have done since the beginning of the church. In fact, we launched the church in September of 2012. And we had our first 21 days of prayer and fasting in January of 2012. And this is something that we've always done, uh, just asking God to move in, in such a way as only he can. And so if you are new to the church, chances are you, you know about prayer, but maybe not so much about fasting and so we'll have some more resources available to you on our website and through the experience church app to teach you more about fasting because i do believe it takes some preparation I do believe we need to think about what kind of fast we're going to to uh, to take part in. What's God calling us to do? What's that going to look like for us this year? If we wait, to, how many? If we wait till January seventh to figure out what we're going to do, uh, it's going to make the fast even harder than it already is. And anybody else? I mean, I hate. I have a love hate relationship with fasting. Anybody else? Because I love to eat. I like. I love to. I'm always bulking up throughout the year. You know, I never stop. And and so. I, the more planned and prepared that I can become, the uh, the easier it's going to be and the more I'm going to get out of it. And so I'd even challenge you now to be praying and be thinking about what God would have you do during those 21 days of prayer and fasting. But it's going to be an incredible time. And of course, I'll talk more about it as those days get closer. But today is Legacy Sunday. And at the end of, of service, uh, we'll be having our annual uh, Legacy Offering, which we've been talking about for several weeks now and it's this one time of year special offering that we completely give away to those who are hurting and to those who are in need. And this is where we we give above and beyond our normal tithes and our our normal giving. And we give to grow God's kingdom during this special holiday uh, season where a lot of people are feeling their pain more than other months uh, or in other times of the year. And it gives us an opportunity to share the love of God in practical ways. 
Like this is where we get to accelerate the vision of our church and make a difference in a lot of places. And just to name a few, there are several more. Hopefully you got a card as you walked in highlighting the majority of the initiatives that we have moving into 2024. But I wanted to highlight just a few, starting with LifeWise Academy. If you're familiar with LifeWise, then you know it's an amazing, amazing organization that partners with our local public schools and and it's voluntarily uh, kids can sign up for it and for an hour a week they take kids off of school property onto a neutral location and they teach them about Jesus and they study the Bible and uh, if you're a parent of any of those uh, uh, and have a kid attending uh, LifeWise Academy then you've already seen the difference it makes my seven-year-old was uh, walking around the house yesterday singing a song that he learned in LifeWise about the fruit of the Holy Spirit and I just thought man he is so far ahead of where I was at when I was seven years old. And so uh, just an incredible uh, organization. And, and maybe you remember a few months ago, I told you that LifeWise Academy had approached me uh, and asked if we could maybe pray about um, helping them get a new bus. They have a thousand kids in the Defiant School that every single week go for an hour to the to they bus them from the elementary school over to the YMCA to learn about Jesus. And they said, "We have so many kids. We need to get another bus because we're we're just transporting so many kids." And uh, and so I told them that we would add them to our Legacy Initiative today. But to be honest, I couldn't wait till today. And because of your generosity. We didn't have to, so I'm happy to report that we've already purchased a brand new bus for LifeWise Academy. It's in the shop right now getting painted and all the decals put on and, and all that, and it should be ready to go for the beginning of 2024. And so just incredible what God is doing. We're going to continue to partner, partner with them. Right now, they're, they're hosting the kids at the YMCA and partner with them, but eventually they want to build their own learning center right off of school property so that they can house the kids and do more and eventually get into the middle schools and the high schools as well. So just love what God is doing in and through LifeWise Academy. And then I would do want to highlight Convoy of Hope. It's one of our partners that we've partnered with for several years now. And uh, whenever tragedy or disaster happens in our country, man, Convoy of Hope is boots on the ground within hours of a, a tornado or a earthquake or, or a hurricane. And they're boots on the ground, not just to give resources to people who are in need, but to give hope, to pray, to, to be the love of Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus and to love on people. And so we love partnering with them and continuing to support them as well. And then also we do different outreaches in the country of Belize. God has just called us to, to impact uh, a country. And so right now our, our global missions is primarily in two places. You'll see Israel, but also uh, Belize. Those are the two areas that God's called us of to this day to, to partner with. And one of the reasons why we do that is because I want to make sure that we're not a mile wide and an inch deep. I'll never forget uh, attending uh, a church where I got saved at and their missions program. They listed out all these different missionaries and it was probably about 20, 25, maybe 30 that they supported. But unfortunately, they were only able to give these organizations or missionaries a very small amount every single year. And I just remember God speaking to me in that moment that when we launched our church that, that we, would, we, we wouldn't maybe do a, 
a lot of different areas, but that we would narrow our focus and where we did partner, we would make a huge impact. We'd make the biggest impact that we possibly can. And, and so we have different outreaches in the country of Belize where we, we partner with local churches and we throw a party for the kids and we feed them. And we love on families and we, we, we uh, partner with local churches to help them. And so God's just doing an incredible work through Belize. And then also, like I mentioned, Israel is another one of our partners that we give to as a church. Uh, it's worth clapping, absolutely. We know that the Bible calls us to, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and so we have uh, and will continue to support Israel. In fact, one of the things that we do every single year is we partner with uh, Israeli soldiers and we sponsor a unit uh, in, in the Israeli army, and then we give uh, care packages and resources to them, and they can either, if they have, are in need or their families are in need, they can take some of those or they distribute them out to people that they know who are in need. And this year, we actually were able to do that in a week and a half later is when war broke out. And so it came at a, a perfect time and we're continuing to support them. Actually, we're supporting, we're in Gaza right now. We'll come alongside Israelis, Palestinians, Syrians, uh, Jordanians, and God is doing an incredible work in the midst of all the conflict and chaos. How many of us know we serve a God who, who, who can take all those things and bring something beautiful out of them? And so God is still on the move. And I just, I don't know about you, I just love being a part of something bigger than myself that's making a difference all over the world. And so some might ask, well, why do we do this? Why, why are we so generous? Why are we always thinking about others? Why would we take an entire offering and give it away? Well, the reason why we would do something like Legacy Sunday, if you're taking notes, is because we are the church. We are the church, the big C church, the global church, God's church, and we believe that God has called his church to be on mission and to live out what is known as the Great Commission. This mandate from heaven that together with God, we would preach the gospel, we would reach the lost, we would help the poor, we would build churches, and we would advance God's kingdom. That God gave us a mission as his people, and we just count it a joy and a privilege to be able to live it out. Unfortunately, not every Christian is living on mission. Not every one of us is living out the mission of the Great Commission. So the question that I ask is, man, why wouldn't we embrace the mission that God has given to us? Like, why wouldn't we give to others? In other words, what would be some of the, the reasons why we aren't giving our lives away, giving our joy away, giving our resources away, giving our love away? Why wouldn't we do that? And I would make the argument uh, today that the reason why we might not be giving our lives away isn't because we don't care about people, it's not because we don't love people, but it's because we don't think we have anything to give or we don't think we have enough. And the truth is, many of us can struggle with, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, and that is a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset believes that we don't have enough, that we're the ones who are in need, and so we go through life always looking to receive and not give. 
And this is, this is something that I struggle with in my own life, having a scarcity mindset. It's not something that we try to be intentional about. It's not like we're trying to have a scarcity mindset. But God really began to, to deal with this mindset and this perspective in my own life. About six or seven years ago, I, I met a good friend of mine, Pastor Lucas Cannell, the big Australian uh, who actually came to Experience Church. He's preached a couple of times, preached at a men's conference back when we were portable over at the YMCA and just he's quickly become a good friend of mine. He's since moved back to Australia and planted a church. And so I only talk to him every once in a while, but I'll never forget about six years ago, seven years ago, uh, having this conversation with Pastor Lucas and we were talking about giving and, 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 and he, I never forget, he made the comment, me and my wife, Jackie, we're trying to figure out how we can give more than we've ever given before, how we can give $50,000 above what we normally give to the church. And I just remember going, what do you, what do you mean? Like you're trying to fi figure out. Like I don't even know what that lo looks like. Because my mindset was, I was like, you know, how, how much do I have to give? Or, you know, how can I give to where it doesn't really uh, affect me too much? It doesn't hurt that much. Like how, how much extra do I have? And out of the extra that I don't really need, how much of that do I have to give away? Those are my prayers. But here I'm meeting this guy who's going, we're trying to figure out how we can give more than we've ever given before. And like, I have a different perspective than this guy. I have a different mindset than he has. And I just had, he said, where, do you, where did you come up with this mindset? said in this, this way of, of thinking. Like I've never, I've never heard this type of thinking before. And he said, well, I've just seen God's faithfulness over and over and over and over again. And I've just realized that you can't outgive God. And the more I give, the more he gives to me. And I remember it challenged my thinking going, wow, I, I, I don't think that way. I think differently. Something needs to change. Something needs to shift in me. Because how many of us know that God wants to bless his people? And he's looking for a group of people who will not have a scarcity mindset. But if you're taking notes, write this down. And that is, he's looking for a group of people who has an abundance mindset. You see, scarcity says, I don't have enough. But abundance says, I have more than I need. And I always have something to give. Even if I don't have a penny to my name, I still have something to give. It's a mindset. And my hope today is to help kind of build our faith that everyone who might say, man, we don't have enough, that we would realize we actually have more than we think and that God wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to the world around us. Now, let me say it like this. Many of us don't have a money problem today. We have a mindset problem. That we don't understand that God wants us to be, want, that God wants to be supernaturally generous through us and that God wants us to be supernaturally generous with our lives. Now, I do want to point out, this isn't just a message because it's Legacy Sunday and we're doing a legacy offering at the end of service. We've been talking about legacy offering for seven weeks now, and I've been challenging us to pray and to ask God what he would have us do and then just be obedient to that. The, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Bible about giving is the generous plan to be generous. And so hopefully you already came uh, prepared and ready to, to be generous and to give today. This isn't just a Sunday, a one Sunday out of the year thing. This is a biblical principle for how God is calling us to live our lives. And so it fits with Legacy Sunday, but I really want us to grasp the principle that God is trying to teach to us today. And in order to kind of help us understand this principle, I want to study a, an, an example of another church who lived generously. 
In the Bible, when the apostle Paul had this radical encounter with God on that road to Damascus and God changed his life forever, shortly after that, he went to the Jewish leadership and he said, I feel like God is calling me to take the good news of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ to non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles. You see, up until that point, uh, the Jewish people thought that the, the good news of Jesus Christ was only for the Jewish people, it was only for them. And here Paul is, is kind of challenging them, saying, no, I feel like God's calling me to take this all over the world, to the Gentiles, to non-Jews. And, and so the Jewish leadership came back and they gave Paul the green light, but they said, we just have one condition. That, that as he would, would go, that, that he would remind the people when he gave the, the gospel of Jesus freely away and he taught people about Jesus, that he would remind them to be generous and to give back to the poor, especially those back in Israel. And so Paul got the green light and he would go into modern day Turkey and Greece and Italy and Spain and, and he agreed uh, to that one condition. And so Paul would actually, as he planted churches, he would receive offerings that he would give the entire offering away back to the poor people in Israel. And so the Apostle Paul started off in northern Greece in a place the Bible calls Macedonia. And then we're going to pick up the story when Paul is in southern Greece in a little town called Corinth where we get the books of the Bible, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul, after establishing and planting these churches in this church in Corinth, he's writing a letter back to them to encourage them. Let's take a look what Paul says in one of the letters written back to the church of Corinth, 2nd Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. He's writing to them, he says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace. Everybody say Grace. grace. Paul uses this word grace 10 times in two chapters, and he's saying that God has graced the church in Macedonia. That there's something special about what is happening in the church of Macedonia that I want the church of Corinth to know about, and I would echo that today, that there's something special that was happening in the church of Macedonia that I want the church in defiance uh, to know about, that God has graced the people to this point where they're, they have this generosity, that they, where they don't have this mindset where they have to give, but that they get to give. They have this different perspective that they, that I want you to know about this grace that God has given to the Macedonian church. Like in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. We don't have time to study it today, but later on in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul tells the church of Corinth, man, you guys excel in everything. You are killing it. You are slaying it. Those words aren't in there. That's my own interpretation. But you guys are doing such an amazing job in love. You're doing such an amazing job in enthusiasm, in speech, in faith. Man, you guys have all, all these different things going on at your church. So I want you to excel in generosity too. I want you to understand this mindset and this perspective that's happening at the church in Macedonia. And so two things I want us to notice from these verses is first, these people are going through a severe trial. In other words, life was far from easy. And so for every one of us who might say, man, I can't give because of what I'm going through. These followers of Jesus found themselves in the middle of a severe trial, and yet they still had overflowing joy, and they still had something to give. 
They might not have had money because of what they were going through, but they could give their joy away. Come on, church. They could give their peace away. What if, what if people would look at our lives and they would know, man, uh, we would go into work and they go, man, how, co- how come you come in with so much joy and so much peace? I know what you're going through. I know you're struggling. I know you're going through a hardship. I know that life is coming at you. Yet you come in and you're always cheerful. You're always happy. You're always full of joy. You have this peace. Man, how come you, how come you have those things in the midst of what you're going through? And how many of us know in that moment, you know what we can give away? I'll tell you how I have joy. I'll tell you how I have peace. Let me tell you about in, in, the, in the presence of God is the fullness of joy. Let me tell you about the Prince of Peace who gives me a peace that surpasses all understanding that no matter what's going on in my life, there's still a peace that I'm going to be all right. It's still well with my soul. And in that moment, how many of can give Jesus away? Because he's changing our hearts and our lives. We always have something to give. But the second thing I want us to notice about these verses is that we might not think these two things go together. Extreme poverty and rich generosity. Extreme poverty, yet rich generosity, which poses the question, at least for me, and that is, how did they give so big when they had so little? Like, how were they able to do that? I want to get to this place where I can give big no matter what I have, even if I have little. And I think it's because they had the right mindset. You see, scarcity says, I don't have enough. I have nothing to give. And honestly, we see this showing up uh, throughout scripture uh, in, in places like Haggai chapter one, verse six, where it says, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Anyone ever felt like this before? I have with Pastor Justina. I'm just joking. <laughs> and I just want to take a moment to tell you about Pastor Justina and how much I love her and just all that she does for our home. And I just want to honor you, babe. You do a great job at everything that you do. And I'm grateful for you. But how many know that the scarcity mindset says, I, I can't give because I don't have anything to give. But but I'll, well, when I do have something, maybe I'll give. Like, anybody ever said that besides me? Like, when I, when I have more, I'll just give more. Like, when I have more money, then I'll, I'll give more money. But the truth is, having more money won't make us more generous. Having more money will make us more of what we already are. Because it's a mindset. It's, it's a heart issue. In fact, studies have actually shown that the more money a person makes, the less they give, percentage-wise. Why is that? One reason might be because the less we have, the more we tend to trust God. And the more we have, the less we tend to trust God. And the more we tend to trust ourselves. You see, a scarcity mindset says, I don't have enough. But an abundance mindset says, I have more than enough. I have more than than what I need. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 8 that if we would have this mindset, God gives us this promise that the Lord will send us a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving to you. That we go from having this receiving mindset to this giving mindset. In other words, that as followers of Jesus, no matter what situation we find ourselves in or how much or how little resource we have, we always have something to give that can make a difference in the world around us. And so the question is, how do we do that? Like, how do we get there? How do we get to that place where I don't have a scarcity mindset, I have an abundance mindset? Well, Proverbs chapter three, verse nine through 10, gives us a little glimpse into the answer to that question. And simply says, honor the Lord with your wealth. 
I'm going to honor you, God, with what you've entrusted to me, with the first fruits of all your crops. So we honor the Lord with our wealth. Well, how do we do that? Well, with the first fruits of everything that we have. How many know we honor God with our money? How many know he's first, not last? So when I put him first in every aspect of my life, first in my, in my finances, that's how I'm going to honor him. God, God, you're first. That before I write any other check, I'm writing it to you. That the first place I'm giving to is not, it's not the mortgage company. It's not the credit card company. It's not, no, the first place I'm giving to whenever I get increased is you, God. You're first. I mean, that's how we honor him. We honor the Lord. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says like this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the place where we worship, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That God wants to use us as this funnel of blessing. Why? Because we're on mission. Why? Because there's a plan and a purpose. God has called us to live on mission. What is that mission? To advance the kingdom. And the more generous we are with our lives, not just our finances, with our lives, I mean, the more we can advance God's kingdom and live out the great co-mission together with God. Now, the tithe is not something that we have to do. It's an Old Testament law that I believe is not a New Testament command, but it is a New Testament principle that we actually practice as a church. You see, something shifted in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, where it used to be a command and mandated, right? Now, God says, I don't want you to give because you have to. And I don't want you just to, to go through the, the religious motions of it. I want it to come from your heart. I want you to give because you want to give, because you love to give. And you know, and, and, and as you study the New Testament, obviously Jesus made the comment, you should tithe. But as you study generosity in the New Testament, you know what you discover? That actually the Bible is calling us to give above and beyond the tithe, the 10%. Because how many of us know when you love something, you don't do the bare minimum, you go above and beyond. Hey, if you love your wife or your husband, right, you don't just love them just as least as possible, you love them with all of your heart. You love above and beyond. We don't just love our kids a little bit, right? We love them with everything that we are. And when it comes to generosity and growing God's kingdom, is that we don't just do the least amount that we have to do. No, we go above and beyond. It reminds me of a, a story I heard a pastor tell one time uh, of a time when he was talking to a gentleman about tithing and generosity. And the guy was just blown away. He was like, that is impossible. There's no way that I could possibly tithe and give my money away like that. There's no, no way I could even do that. Like I would have to rearrange my entire life around God. To which the pastor kind of smiles like, but isn't that the point? Isn't that the point of Christianity to put our faith in God, to trust him with all of our hearts? Not to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways, all our ways, in our, in our marriages, in our families, in our hearts, in our finances, in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you, God, and you will make my paths straight. The truth is, if you're taking notes, write this down, and that is, it takes faith to be generous. Doesn't it? It's a faith. Generosity is a, if we, how many of us want to grow spiritually? How, how many of us want to know God in a deeper way? 
Only about half of you. The rest of you are like, you know, I'm good. Like, I feel like I had a good run. I'm probably as close to God as I'm ever going to get. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to enjoy where I'm at, right? But for the other half of you, this is, I was kind of expecting more hands to kind of raise up. You're like, ah. But you guys know. You guys know me. You're like, I've had him have me raise, he's had me raise my hand up before and he got me. He ain't getting me today. But man, if we want to grow closer to God, if we want to develop spiritual disciplines and, and strength, this is an area I believe the enemy of our soul has lied to the church for far too long. This is a spiritual principle that God's saying, if we can grab a hold of this, we can advance God's kingdom. What better thing can we do with our time, energy, resource than advance the kingdom? Because how many of us know God's kingdom is people, souls? Freely we have received, haven't we? Because I don't know about you, God loved me in a place where I didn't think I was lovable. God believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. God gave me hope when I found myself in a hopeless place. God, God, God revealed his, that he still had a plan and purpose for my life, even though I had messed up time and time again. And I've experienced, I mean, God radically changed my life. I don't know if you know this or not, but not too many drug addicts become pastors and lead churches. And God has taken my life from the pit and set my feet upon the mighty rock of Jesus Christ. How could I not want somebody else to experience that? How could I not give my life to invest in people that other, no, it's not just me. God, God, God's no respecter of person that if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Come on, let's grow God's kingdom. Let's see more marriages restored, more hope found, more addictions set free. Why not? I was just talking with a pastor this past week, and he goes, man, how many people are coming to experience here? It's like, well, it was like 1,500 in, in, in November, and he's like, it's crazy because we've been doing some studying at our church, and we found that when 10% when of the community starts coming to uh, church and, and, and there's a radical move, the whole entire community starts to shift. You would think it would be like 51%. Like once, once there's more of them, more of us than there is of them, that's when the community really changes. But he goes, actually, I don't know why it is, but we found that there's a 10% number that all of a sudden there's this massive shift in the community and God, there's an outpouring and there's a move. I mean, we're at that 10% right now. What if we continue to lock arms? What if we continue to advance the gospel? What could God do in defiance? What could God do in Northwest Ohio and beyond? Right? Do it, God. Do it. More, more souls. Give us souls for our inheritance, God. I don't need a big house. I don't need a fancy car. But if you could use my life to change somebody else's life, that's good enough for me. I'll take that all day long. Amen? I don't even know where I'm at my notes, but let's go. Let's continue to study the story of the Macedonian church. Take a look at what... Uh, the next few verses say, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3 through 5. Paul said, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able to give, and even beyond their ability. Whew. Let me get there, God. That I wouldn't just give what I'm able, but even beyond what I'm able to do. And then Paul goes on to make this radical statement. He was like, I didn't even talk him into it. Like, I didn't even convince them. I didn't even put pressure upon them. I didn't show them like this heartfelt video where everybody was crying and they gave out of that. I didn't even do that. For they gave entirely on their own. 
In fact, not only did they give, they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. I mean, it's a privilege to give. It's a privilege to build God's kingdom. It's a mindset. They had this mindset and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. How many know that's important? And then by the will of God also to us. It reminds me of this quote from John Bunnell who, made, who said this. He said, if one first gives himself to the Lord, all other giving is easy. God, when you're first and I give myself to you, man, all the other giving is easy. Why? Because our faith is in God. This is so important because it's a part of the Christian life that once we understand this, that I'm giving unto the Lord, all of a sudden it starts showing up in, in different environments and areas of our life, not, not just at church. How many know we start acting like Christians, not just in the walls, but beyond the walls? It starts showing up in our schools, in our workplaces, at the grocery store, even places like Walmart. How many know people at Walmart need Jesus? <laughs> Come on, do it, God. Go to Walmart like at two in the morning. It's a mission field. I'm just telling you right now. Like, Target two. Target two. That's right, sir. Target as well. But more Walmart. Let's be honest. More Walmart. Restaurants. That we walk into a restaurant, but we walk in with this mindset like, how can I be a blessing to the people around me? How can I be a blessing here? We walk in. Just like this past week, we were at Sweetwater Chop House. Come on, somebody on the 18th green there. And uh, shout out, Sweetwater. They get, I get no money for this whatsoever. I will take a gift card if you're watching. Um, <laughs> but we were at Sweetwater, and, and the waitress said, hey, can you guys just pray for me? I'm just going through some stuff. So right there in Sweetwater, we're just praying for God to move in this woman's life. And then we blessed her with a tip. And that how can we bless the people around us. We go into every environment and think to ourselves, how can I be a blessing? And this is why, this is why I constantly encourage us when we give that we would ask God, what would you have me do, God? And then we just be obedient to that. Why? Because we're doing it unto the Lord. We're doing it for God. We're not giving to a church. We're giving through a church, right? I'll never forget the like, first three months uh, of the church. And so uh, over 11 years ago or whatever, um, I had a a gentleman stopped by the church office and, um, and he dropped off a $5,000 check. Now, $5,000 is a lot of money today, but it was a really, really lot of money back then, the first three months of the church. And uh, especially since I wasn't getting a salary or anything like that, this was awesome. And, and so we just were so grateful for it. And, and as he's leaving, he's like, hey, and by the way, if you want to say something on Sunday, if you want to just tell the church who gave and how much, that's fine with me. And I remember going, uh, mm, ah, mm. I was buying time because I was trying to think of what to say. And I was like, yeah, I don't, mm, I don't do that um, because the whole goal would be that you would give unto the Lord. Like you're, you're not giving to a church, you're giving through a church, right? You're not giving to me, you're giving to the church. The church is, you're giving unto God. That's, that's the heart. How, I mean, not to us, but, but to your name, God, be all the glory, honor, and praise. Let's take a look at the next chapter and the continuation of the Macedonian story. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses seven through 11. Paul says, you must, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Don't, don't, don't give because you feel like you have to, or, or don't even give if you really don't want to give. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. 
Anybody else besides me seen this, this uh, experience, this truth over and over and over and over again? That God has continued to provide all that we need. Then you will have, always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others, right? God, give me more than I need so I can be a blessing to the world around me. As the scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Legacy. For God is the one who provides seed. So God has a seed, but he's not giving it to everybody. He's giving seed to, to the sower. He's giving seed to those who know how to use it for, for, for the farmer and then uh, a bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. All of a sudden, it doesn't become just something we do. It becomes who we are. Mm. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank not us. They'll thank God. Well, not to us, but to his name be all the glory, honor, and praise. And I just want to challenge all of us, and myself included, not to have a scarcity mindset, regardless of how much we think we, we have or we don't have, that we would live with an abundance mindset. And I want to close today with a, a tradition and custom that, that we find in the Old Testament was actually a command for fathers in regards to their kids. That before, um, before a father died, they had to make sure that they left money for the family in advance of their death so that the family would be taken care of after the father was gone. Let's take a look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 17. says, he, the father, must acknowledge the son, their firstborn. And so the oldest, the Bible says, uh, don't give the oldest the same amount that you, you give to the other siblings. Instead, give him a double share, a double portion of all that he has. Now, at first, this sounds like favoritism, doesn't it? But it's actually responsibility. That son is the first sign of his father's strength. In other words, when the, when the father's gone, the oldest son has to represent the strength of the father to his siblings that I would give my oldest uh, son uh, more double that if I unexpectedly died, my oldest would be taken care of, but then he would have more than he needs because he has to represent my strength to his brother and sister. The right, or we could say the responsibility of the firstborn belongs to him. This right, this privilege, it's a gift that's been bestowed before him. Now take a look at this same principle in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 23. says, you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Take a look to the church of the firstborn. The Bible calls the church the oldest son, which means that God not only wants to take care of us, but he wants to give us more than we need so that we can represent the father's strength to the world around us. That we have this responsibility as God's people to represent him everywhere we go. This is having the abundance, this blessing mindset. And one of the things I love about uh, the Legacy Sunday and even the Legacy Offering is that we don't need it. It's not part of our budget. Our needs are taken care of as the church. We completely give it away. Now, there's things that we, God's put in our heart to do, but we're not dependent upon the legacy offering. But I would say to us, we have a responsibility. That God's given us this co-mission that together with him, we would advance the kingdom, that we'd reach those who are in need. And I just was reminded of this this past week as um, our staff, just took time to, to pray over 
all the prayer cards and that we get in each month. Of course, we have a whole prayer team that prays over them weekly, but as a staff, we pray over them monthly. And this, this past week, we were just praying over the different needs of the church. And I just was reminded of the responsibility we have as the church. I just wanted to share a couple of them with you. Uh, we got one from CCNO, our, our GL campus. Um, says for, can you please pray for my relationship with my kids and for them to get closer to God every day. Please pray for my oldest son that he forgives me. Pray that God helps me to lead people to him too. I, I love this church. It's really helped me because I have been really feeling down lately. And I love when the group comes in to see, so you know, and tonight it lifted my spirit so much. I mean, our church, we have a responsibility, don't we? We have a responsibility. Another prayer request just from you says, I'm asking for a prayer to get me through this season. I'm struggling with finding my purpose, feeling not worthy enough and other internal struggles. I'm struggling financially, going to school and struggling in my relationships. I could use any and all prayers to help me get through this season. Sometimes I just feel like giving up. Another prayer request we prayed over this past week. I have one of those troubled souls, they say. I live in anger, not on purpose, but I grew up in anger and it's all that I know. Life hurts and I don't know how to fix it, but I pray that it happens soon. I'm so exhausted of hurting and losing the people in my life. And I realize completely it is all my own doing. I just don't know how to fix it. I don't know where to start, please pray for me. I mean, even as those prayer requests, I'm reminded of the responsibility that we have to be the church, to advance the kingdom, to come alongside those who are in need and give the hope and the joy and the peace and the love and the life that only Jesus can give to give it to the world around us. Would you just join me in this moment of praying? I wanna, I wanna start by praying over these needs today. Father, God, we lift up these people. We lift up this mother who's incarcerated praying for her, her children, God, praying for restoration of her relationship with her son, God, that he would find it in his heart to forgive her. God, we pray right now that you would restore this family and their relationships. God, you would do what only you can do, that you would minister, that you, you would pour out your love and that you would, all those chains, all those wedges in their relationships, God, you would take all that away and you would make all things new again, God. I pray for new hope, new joy, new love in that family. God, we pray for this individual that has a troubled soul, who feels like giving up, who's become hopeless. Pray for the individual who's struggling with anger, wants to fix it, but doesn't know how, God. We, we lift them up to you now, God. We know that you are the way, the truth, and the life, God. You are the solution to the question that they are asking, God. We pray that you would do what only you can do in their hearts and in their lives, God. We pray that you bring freedom. We pray that you bring hope. We pray even now that you would comfort them in their trials and their struggles, God, and that you would deliver and that you would set free as only you can. In Jesus' name, as we continue praying together today, we realize that you've given us a responsibility as your church to love those, to advance your kingdom, to help those who are hurting and in need, God. 
and we want to respond to the call, the great commission. But as we're praying together today, maybe, maybe we are some of those people. Maybe we find ourselves in a, in a hopeless place. Maybe we're struggling, maybe anger. Maybe we have a troubled soul. And maybe we would say that we don't have a relationship with God today. That's where it starts. Maybe we walked with God at one point in time, but it's time. Come on, it's time. Today is your day. Today is your day to surrender all, to open up your heart to heaven and say, here's my life, God. I'm going all in. I'm following you with everything that I am. I'm doing things your way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to honor you. God, I want all that you have for me. I'm not settling. Here's my heart. Here's my life, God. You need to make that decision wherever you're at. Maybe you're watching online. Would you lift your hand to heaven right where you're at as a sign of surrender, acknowledging your need for God? Come on, lift it up high. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Come on, be bold. Say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me right where I'm at, but loving me enough not to let me stay there. Thank you that you believe in me. Thank you that you have a plan and you have a purpose for my life. I'm speaking that regardless of how I feel today, I'm speaking and I'm believing and I'm agreeing with heaven that you believe in me, that you sent your son to die for me, that you have a plan and you have a purpose for my life. And right now in this place, here's my heart. Forgive me of my sin, God. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, show me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, can we give God some praise for what he just did in this place and beyond?